Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Freestyle Friday. Uh, I'm Jack, and thank you all for checking in again. I've been trying to do the Freestyle Fridays more. Um, Thursdays are busy, though. Thursdays, I don't know. If you had to rank the days of the week, where do you think Thursday would be at? It's got to be top four, you know. Sunday and Monday are the hardest. Mondays are bad, but you get Monday night football. Sundays are hard because you have to go to work on Monday or school, but you have Sunday football all day. And you're just, but then again, that can bite you in the ass because you're worried about your fantasy team and your bets all day. Um, and that's, that kind of detracts away from it. I guess if I had to give my power rankings for the week, for days of the week, um, number one is Friday. No doubt about it. You have two days to chill out after Friday. Friday is the best easily. No doubt Friday in a, in a seven-game series, Friday wins in a four-game sweep. Um, number two, Saturday. Just classic. Um, three would be, probably be Sunday and then four Thursday. And then five Monday. And then Wednesday at six. And then Tuesday at seven because Tuesday's stupid as fuck. Like... What goes on during Tuesdays? Nothing. Jack shit happens on Tuesdays. Um, Jack shit happens on Tuesdays. Except the COVID year when we had some Tuesday football action. That was one of the one of the blessings of COVID was just getting random football games. That was so cool. <laughs> just to flip on ESPN on Tuesday at seven thirty. It's like, oh, there's NFL football happening. This is kind of cool. You know, this is this is unusual. Um, I just got done watching the um, the Commanders take on the Bears, and my God, bad Jeff Bezos. <sighs> oh, my God, I'm yawning right now because it's late and I'm tired, but I'm out here grinding for the team. But I. Uh, my God, man, there, there's some deep sea. You know, those those organizations. This is uh, this is a Sam Morell joke, but those two organizations are like the Dominican Republic. Like, maybe they're fun for a week or two, but after that, you start to realize there's some deep seated issues that uh, need to be figured out on their own and cannot really be helped by anybody else. Though those are those two franchises. Um, it's brutal. We waited almost two weeks for a touchdown on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> 13 days, you know, 23 hours for was the time in between touchdowns on Thursday Night Football. Bezos paid $13 million for Thursday, or $11 billion, excuse me, and or something like some astronomical god only knows how much money. And then... He pays that, and the math checks out. There's 15 Thursday night football games a week. Math checks out to about 78 mil a game. So it's almost 80 million a game. So almost 78 plus 78 would be... Oh, Jack, you're so fucking stupid. I can do this. Hold on, guys. Would that be 156? Yeah. He paid 100. We Jeff Bezos just paid $156 million 
dollars for two games with only two touchdowns scored in them, in both games, in in the total of the, those two last games, two touchdowns were scored. That's how Jeff Bezos just paid for that. Unbelievable. Um, I bet on the, I bet on the over. I'm a a fraud. I'm a silly goose. I'm a moron. I bet on, and then I put free play on the. The Bears. I put free play on the Bears. Plus or minus one. Justin Fields was on the four-yard line and couldn't get it in in four tries. Dead to me. Like, are you serious? And you would have covered two. We would have been 14 to 12. We would have won our bet. We would have been laughing all the way to the bank. Word to 50 cent. Just brutal, man. Just absolutely brutal. Speaking of brutal, work has been kicking my balls and kicking my teeth in and laughing at me. They kick my balls, I fall to the ground, kicks my teeth in. It's I, I love my job and I'm very thankful. I'm trying to practice an attitude of gratitude. That's the key in life. Attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful. I'm very blessed in my life and I know this deep down. But, I mean, sometimes you got to rattle off some complaints, you know. It gets it gets a bit much sometimes with the conspiracy theories and all this stuff getting tossed around, um, and and then on top of it, it's just hard physical work, and you know my boss will make some fucking comment like, oh you're on your phone a lot. Well yeah, like I can go on my phone, man. Like it's not that big. I'm I'm not interrupting anything. I'm not messing with work. I can look at my phone on our lunch break. Just fucking come on, man. Not that I can do, though. You know, it's just part of one of those things where it's like, yeah, just tough it out, buddy. You're going to be working a corporate job pretty soon, wanting to kill yourself. So you might as well enjoy listening to freaking pardon my take and working outside, planting trees. Uh, now that they say that, yeah, I feel a lot better. So, um, with the conspiracy theory stuff, I, um,. I like conspiracy theories. I've been thinking about this a lot. I I really like conspiracy theories. Um, I think they're fun. I think they're mostly harmless. You know, a lot of older heads and, you know, people a little younger than my dad, they were kind of growing up watching X-Files and reading Goosebumps and all this stuff. And, you know, spooky stuff and conspiracy theories and um, all this stuff. It's it's fun. It's cool. There, you know, that that whole culture of oh, there's green men. There's a the Earth's flat. And, oh, Seth. I need to stop fucking yawning. I'm ruining this recording and it's actually going well. But just bear with me, please. Um, but like I was saying, it, the conspiracies used to be. They still are fun. I, I find a lot of them fun. And, you know. But. And I'm trying to think of fun ones, you know. What's a fun conspiracy theory? Just aliens. The whole Air, Area 51 raid in September 2019 was kind of an interesting time. Um, fun conspiracies. Fun, fun. Whoops. I don't know. And that's kind of the problem. 
is that now conspiracies have gotten really, really kind of dark, you know, Alex Jones, uh, three families, he's got, they just won a settlement for pretty much a billion dollars for, uh, saying Sandy Hook was staged, the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting back in 2012, saying it was crisis actors, and it was staged, and it was all this stuff, and all the, like, like, I'm, I, like I said, a fun conspiracy, nothing beats a fun, silly conspiracy, or that's just, like, kind of, like, makes you think, it's like, whoa, hold on a sec, you know, I personally, I love the, uh, any of the Nick Adams conspiracy theories, not all of them, I can't speak for all of them, but most of the things Nick Adams say about, um, you know, all Nick Adams, by the way, is a CIA sleeper cell. That's a funny conspiracy theory. That's a funny conspiracy theory. Like that's what I came up with. Um, people being CIA plants and sleeper cells and all that good stuff. Those are funny. What's not funny is saying that a bunch of six and seven year olds getting killed was orchestrated by the government and that it wasn't real and that the families are all crisis actors and then having crazy people that listen to your show call and use anti-semitic slurs um against um one of the families like you know that part of from from my understanding i watched this documentary or this video about it Channel 5 News on YouTube. It's Andrew Callanan. He's super talented. I love him. Really a, a inspiration for me in journalism. Um, you know, part of the, the grieving process is moving on or making maybe making peace, acceptance, moving on. But with what Alex Jones did, which was the most sinister, you know, you can have your theories or whatever, but inspiring people to harass and give you a, you know, give you a bunch of shit because you're, you know, your child's dead, um, is that's really sad, man. It's really sad. Those kids would probably be, what if they're, they'd be, they'd be getting their driver's licenses now. Isn't that wild? They'd be getting their driver's license. They'd be either sophomores or juniors in high school. It's just sad. It's really sad. It really upsets me, um, you know, and I, I try and find the balance between being, you know, right wing, calloused, you know, God fearing Bible thumper, uh, or just fully on my lib takes, um, libberg, all that stuff. I, I truly, I try and really read both sides or find out as much as possible about both sides and really just try as hard as possible not to be ignorant because I think it is it's easy to be ignorant um and for a while I was very ignorant and that's just part of being a young man I suppose is you know thinking you got the world by the balls you know everything I still do that sometimes but it's gotten a lot better but my, I suppose my main point would be that I, you know, I listen to, um, yeah, my main point is I listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> no, my main point would be 
I listened to Roger Waters, who I saw in concert. I don't know. I forget if I ever posted this Freestyle Friday. But I went to his concert in Boston. He's Pink Floyd. He's the co-founder of the band with Sid Barrett, who Sid Barrett, different story, started the band, did a fuck ton of acid, fried his brain, and went crazy. They were in Los Angeles, and Sid Barrett thought they were in Las Vegas or vice versa. Just completely melted his brain with acid and shaved his head and eyebrows and all that nonsense but um roger waters is notorious anti-establishment anti-capitalism all that stuff like big on his left takes which is fine you know you make beautiful music i understand your whole uh all the music is anti-establishment all that stuff and but he said if you want to in any problem in life you should read anything and everything you can about it from any side of the aisle and i i thought that was pretty profound it was like hey like if i'm struggling with my anxiety shouldn't i pick up every single perspective on anxiety i can to have a better understanding or or anything really anxiety is just a a scapegoat a common one and what sucks about (laughs) by by the way i will just say uh talking about mental health has become corny i'm sorry it has uh, and it sucks that it has, but um, logic made talking about wanting to kill yourself corny. Um, personally, before that song came out, I thought killing yourself was pretty cool. But, <laughs> oh my god. Jesus Christ. I, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, you made me a podcaster that tries to be funny and it's just not. Um, but yeah, talking about mental health is kind of corny. I try not to do it as much anymore because I've had, you know, I've had those drunken conversations and then I've been sober for those drunken conversations, if that makes sense, where I just get audio booked, spewed about people like saying all this uh, stuff. And I'm, you know, what I'm not knocking what they have to say. What they say is completely and utterly valid, but, ugh. <sighs> not knocking or disparaging what people say about mental health. It's important. It's good. But I just think if you're going to talk, you have to be very tasteful when you talk about it. You have to just bring it up in the right way. You have to listen more than you speak. I'm, I'm very much of the belief that those who speak the most know the least. It, but there is an exception to that sharing your perspective or just sharing an experience that's not virtue signaling or saying oh i know more than you or oh this or oh that sharing your experience is just straight up it is what it is it's just sharing but when you get done sharing and you you know flip flop and scramble and say brain twists in a hundred million different directions that's when i feel like most people lose people because you know talk is cheap it is it's just the world we live in talk is cheap you want results you want you want respect you gotta have results man so talk is cheap 
And that's why I, I've thought about writing a book, and I still might, or a self-help book. Spe- yeah, specifically a self-help book. But, you know, every time I really think about, am I like, do I really want to write that? Because to me, you know, that's just the ultimate form of being preachy. That's just, hey, I know more than you. Read what I have to say because I'm smarter than you. And I'm not smarter than anybody. In fact, I'm dumber than the majority of people. I have a small reptile dog brain. It's a combination of both reptiles and dogs. You know? It's it's smooth like a, like a stone that has been... Uh, eroded over time in a grand river that that's my brain and I accept that um so I, I don't that maybe it's dumb that I'm concerned about that it's like oh you know the lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of the sheep but it, it's it's one of those things where I I just feel like oh I'm a writer I wrote a book like fuck you dude you're like the ponytailed freaking douchebag from Goodwill Hunting. Oh, you got a $70,000 education when I could have got a fucking public library card and $25 worth of late fees? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, all-time movie. I was talking to Bale's friend of the podcast um, today. You know, we just daily send each other some American Psycho quotes. And um, I asked him, you know, because I had just watched the movie uh, Vice with Christian Bale. Adam McKay directs it. Adam McKay, obviously. Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, The Anchorman, all those fantastic comedy movies. And then he started getting political, which is fine. You know, he wanted to take that direction. Cool. Go for it, Adam McKay. I still think you're funny. Um, and I still thought the movie was like kind of funny, but it was, it was fascinating, honestly. And Christian Bale, my God, is he good? So I, I texted Bale's. I was like, what do you think? Who do you think? Excuse me. Who do you think? Who are the biggest movie stars? Not just in our generation, but probably ever. And, you know, obviously I can't remember, you know, early cinema, fifties, sixties, but you know, Gary Cooper and Clint Eastwood, um, uh, oh my God, Sean Connery. Those would be three that I would think of for early, early movies. But right now, as it stands, biggest movie stars, one is no doubt Leo. One has to be Leo, right? There's no debate, no question. Leo came onto the scene in 1993. With What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I'm pretty sure that movie came out in 1993. And then a couple years later, he did The Basketball Diaries with Mark Wahlberg. And I've never seen that movie. It's on my list. But I, I that he did that. They were like brothers or some shit. Or they played basketball together. One of them was like a drug addict. I, I completely forget. But And I'm pretty... That was either... That might have been right before Boogie Nights for... Mark Wahlberg. I need a Jamie on the podcast to pull this stuff up for me because I just spew um, out of my butt and that's not good content. But number one, no doubt Leo. He, you know, plays the special needs kid in 93. You know, he does a Titanic and Catch Me If You Can. And then 
he becomes if you notice the famous director Martin Scorsese he gets uh, Robert De Niro obviously and I'll get to that um but Scorsese finds an actor that he loves or that he really really likes and that's really really good and then just uses him in everything um obviously the first example of that is Robert De Niro another huge movie star uh Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese collabs are, this is the, the best of my memory, uh, in order would be, you know, all the classics. Raging Bull, Taxi Driver was before Raging Bull, but Taxi Driver, Mean Streets, Raging Bull, um, Goodfellas, Casino, the Irishman, like, he finds a guy and he just rides him. Pause. But he finds a guy and he just fucking... That's that's who uh, I'm going to ride with. Basketball Diaries is in 95. Okay. Yeah, and one of them was... A, one of them was Dick the Heroin. Okay, so I have that right. And Mark Wahlberg is in it. And this is pre-Boogie Nights Mark Wahlberg. Which you could argue is how he got his big, big break. Um... Shout out Dirk Diggler with the 19-inch cock. Imagine being Dirk Diggler. That'd be fucking sweet until it wasn't. Um, anyway, I knew Gilbert Grape was 1993. Like, I'm not... I'm a lot sharper than people think, man. I'm way sharper than people think. But anyway, Martin Scorsese finds a guy and he just, he just rides the guy until... Uh, oh, and then Cape Fear. Yeah, 93. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Leo was 19. And he's getting nominations for Golden Globe and all that stuff. It's unbelievable. Leo is number one, no doubt. Um, uh, Martin Scorsese. And then... So Leo, so Robert De Niro, obviously a huge movie star. And then Leo becomes Martin Scorsese's guy. Um, the Aviator, oh, Gangs of New York, Gangs of New York, The Aviator. The Departed, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> you know, he, he finds this guy and he just rides him like that's. I can't even knock him for it, but that's it's just what he does. Um, yeah. Um, other so I'm sorry. I I went on a complete tangent. This is terrible podcast content, but it's late. I'm tired. Um, biggest movie stars. Uh, so one two would be obviously. Who do we even say? Leo and Christian Bale. Christian Bale, Christian Bale, um, if I was to bump Christian Bale out for anybody, probably Tom Cruise for an American, uh, Tom Cruise, again, just unbelievable career for strictly action movies, definitely Tom Cruise. If, if we're for biggest movie star, Leo, no, no doubt, but biggest action movie star, Tom Cruise, really, um, Tom Cruise. I can't think of anybody else, but, uh, you know, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, who are, Brad Pitt, 
is another big movie star. Brad Pitt and Leo. Yeah, Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, Leo. Tom Hanks is a little is old now, but Tom Hanks back in the day, my God, he Tom Tom Hanks was a back to back Academy Award winner for uh, Best Actor. Um, let's make a top five right now, though. Leo, Christian Bale for current movie stars. Leo and what what is the next generation of movie stars gonna look like? Is it gonna be like TikTokers or some shit? I can't even imagine what's gonna happen. You know. Where, where are the movie stars going to come from? Who are they going to be? Do they have to have a shit ton of followers? Or is the, the whole entire genre... They're not going to be movie stars anymore. They're just going to be... Because back in the day, there used to be... There was TV actors and movie actors. And now it's kind of in the same. You can star in a miniseries and still be like very good. You know, it's transitional. Like Getting a, getting, getting a role in a movie does not... Or being a TV actor does not exclude you from being in the movies the way it used to, you know. Even in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they make fun of that. They're like, you know, Leo, Leo's character, Rick Dalton, um, pissed away. Uh, he wanted to go do movies instead of staying on the TV show he was on. Uh, and then the movies kind of flustered out. But, um, like... They used to be mutually exclusive is the point, and then now it's kind of fluent. I mean, even Matthew McConaughey, with his big, you know, took those two years off acting when he was doing just strictly rom-coms, and then he came back in 2011, 2012, did The Lincoln Lawyer, Wolf of Wall Street for, you know, just that two-day role that everybody, like one of the most memorable short roles in movies ever. Like, Matthew McConaughey, hmm, hmm. Like it's iconic. No, no questions around that. Um, but that, and then Dallas buyers club. Yeah. He's, he's doing, doing all this shit. Like he, and during, during that Oscar season where he beat Leo for best actor with Dallas buyers club, he beat Wolf of wall street, Leo. That's how good he was in Dallas Buyers Club. You know, every week before the the Oscars, before the Academy Awards, he, there's an episode of True Detective season one on, on Sunday nights on HBO. So it was like marketing campaign for him. And by the way, he's amazing in that too. So I guess currently right now, as it stands in my book, top five biggest movie stars in the world, um, in my eyes and you know part of it's a little skewed because it's like you know how much are they currently doing leo's about to be in another martin scorsese movie about the book i'm reading uh killers of a flower moon great book by the way we'll get into some book talk maybe later maybe next time i don't know um basically movies about and the book the uh the osagi i believe they're called i might be butchering that and i if i am i apologize uh, Native American tribe that was booted from their land or relocated, booted, re, you know, relocated in quotations, booted off their land. They sell, signed it over to the government, but they, in the contract, they pertained, they maintained the right to all the oil and the resources off the land. And 
they had seen the water, the rivers look kind of like slick and shiny, like oil. Um, if you've ever been to a gas station, you see it kind of gets like reflective and shit. They had seen that and they were just like, oh, so we're kind of over oil deposits. They, in the 1920s, in the early 1900s, like 19, yeah, probably in the 1920s, this tribe of Native Americans were the wealthiest people per capita. They netted between all of them, you know, 200 people, I believe. I think, I don't know exactly how big the tribe was. I forget. I took a long break from reading it. But between them all, they netted in 1923, $30 million, which is like $450 million today. It's unbelievable wealthy. And then they just started getting murdered. People just straight up, like white people just started straight up killing them. They started putting laws into place. that were like, you can't spend this money without a white person guiding you. All the, the like taken out into the boonies and shot execution style and they had to, and then they hired private detectives, but the private detectives, like there was no private detectives could just say, Oh, I'm a private detective and do whatever they wanted. They were completely corrupted. They could be manipulated, paid off all this stuff. So they had to, they, this eventually led to the creation of the FBI as we know it today. Um, so crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But, uh, Back to the list. One Leo, two Christian Bale. Got to give it to my boy Christian Bale. Uh, shout out American Psycho. Unintentionally one of the funniest movies. Uh, it's You kind of feel like a sociopath if you're like high on the couch watching with your boys laughing. But some of the parts, just his pronunciations and stuff and the way he Christian Bale or Patrick Bateman acts is so hysterical. Um, three... Got to give it to my boy, Tom Cruise. So, Leo, Christian Bale, Tom Cruise. Um, who would be number... F- oh. Well, all right. Brad Pitt at four. Three and four are a toss-up. Uh, I just give... I'm giving Tom Cruise the edge because he does more Mission Impossible, more action movies. Brad Pitt kind of just does whatever. Uh, and then five um, is McConaughey. Shout out McConaughey. I just like your book a lot. That's why I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that McConaughey. Um, so those are my top five. The burglar top five biggest uh, actors in the world, or the biggest movie stars in the world. Bunch of cool guys, I bet. Um, except maybe for the Scientology. I don't know what's good with that. Um, man, life is weird, man. But. I've been having a ton of fun doing the podcast. I know six pack has been lacking and I apologize for that, but sniffing the lines. I've been doing that once a week. That has been so fun. I can't thank Jelp and uh, Tommy wall enough for co-hosting that with me. It's been a ton of fun, man. And those are just two really solid guys. And I really enjoy, I look forward to Wednesdays when we record because it's like, Oh, let's go. I get to, really unload and vent and talk football and just have fun and it's a little unorganized a little crazy but and we need to come up with another fantasy football segment because calling it my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was such a fire name so unbelievably awesome and now it's just completely botched because kanye had to say some shit about the jews like fuck you kanye dude come on 
please just go back to making good music. I don't know why you have to be crazy all of a sudden and say outlandish stuff about Jewish people. Jewish people are 2% of the population in America and are, are, uh, are victims of 50% of the, maybe 60% of the hate crimes. It's just, it's bullshit, dude. It's bullshit. There's no grand conspiracies. Like, I, I made the joke on the podcast. If, if, if the Jews controlled everything, the Celtics would be NBA champions. Sammy Benretta would not let the Celtics lose in six games on their home court if the Jews controlled everything. And that's, obviously, I'm just joking around. Um, and I love Sammy. I love Sammy so much. In fact, I gave him a beautiful golf bag to give to his brother for free. I like he won't. He was just like, oh, I, I want to pay. I give it to him for free because I love Sammy so much. And Sammy's a great friend of the podcast. I love Sammy. Um, but he said, he said the Celtics are looking good this year. So I'm, I'm stoked. So maybe they will win a championship this year. I think they might. I was reading this, this article. Uh, the Sports Illustrated just put them on the cover, and uh, in the article, it's talking about Tatum's pissed. Like he, he's not. He doesn't have that. I guess in a roundabout way, the article saying he doesn't have that like boyish or that uh that naivety anymore. He's like pissed off. He's surly. He's like, yeah, I lost in the fucking NBA Finals in six games. Played so hard. Didn't play well sometimes. Like didn't get fouled enough. Didn't do this. He working with nutritious. He's got some fire in him, and I'm I'm glad because as Sammy pointed out on my podcast with him after they lost, um. He didn't have a break, you know, with COVID and um, with the Olympics. Like they, they didn't, they didn't get a break. It was just basketball. Like, so I'm happy he got two or three months to really, not necessarily chill, but to calm down, relax, and get dialed in for the NBA season. And I believe I don't know when it tips off, but I remember back in the day it used to tip off around Halloween, and then. It would end, uh, the season would end in later June, and now it's early, ends in early June, or mid-June, and the season tips off in mid-October. How many months, is that eight months? October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, yeah, that's eight or nine months, something like that. Crazy. If only football was on for that long. My boss was trying to tell me today the the Super Bowl should be on a Saturday. No, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Like I, all these freaking old people. Oh, uh, you know Monday night football, Thursday night football, sun, football being on Sundays destroys American productivity in the workplace. And to that, I say, fuck you. That's the most boomer, outlandish take I've ever heard. So stupid. Like if you football will only do that if you let football do that, and if you're letting football do that, you should be fired. And even if you shouldn't, even if it, even if you don't get fired, you should probably get your shit together. Like I gamble, I you know enjoy myself on Sundays and Saturdays, you know enjoy a bit of devil devil's lettuce or whatnot. But I don't let that shit get to me. Like I freaking figure it out and go to work on time. All that good stuff. And I know if I don't, I take a day off. Fine. You know? But 
to say that the Super Bowl should be on a Saturday is ridiculous. If anything, add an extra fucking game to the season so we already have the Monday off for President's Day. That's what our founding fathers would have really wanted. Our founding fathers wouldn't want people being hung over at work. We already do that all the time. They would want us to have Super Bowl Monday off completely and really just enjoy ourselves and relax and come to grips with, have a full day to come to grips with, wow, I don't have football again until Hard Knocks in June, or excuse me, in August, and that sucks. Speaking of Hard Knocks, Dan Campbell, I still love you. Like, I don't think you deserve to be one in five. I really don't. I think you played your nuts off. Um, just rattle off some wins, please. I love you. Dan, like, you're the media. Dan Campbell is the media's darling, but it's unfortunate that their defense is booty cheeks because their offense is leading the NFL until they got absolutely stomped by the Patriots, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy in my life at this point. I like doing the freestyle Fridays. I need to come. I'm trying to, let's get some more structure going. What do you guys want to hear? What should I talk about? Um, I think let's do a Twitter segment next time. Let's for sure do a Twitter segment. Let's do, um, Twitter fingers. See if there's any beef or whatever going on on social. Break that down. Talk about it. Give our takes. Um, I know Twitter fingers. Oh, you know, Jeremy and Don were tripping me. That's a wicked generic name. Yeah, maybe for the six-pack it's generic. That's why I changed it to Digital Footprint. Um, but for Solo, I don't care. I like Twitter fingers. Maybe I can go with a better name for it, though. But that's the whole key, man. Always improve. Always trying to get better. Um, it's key to life. Key to podcasting. The whole nine yards. But I, I definitely... Let's let's do a Twitter segment. Um, maybe we can break down some burner Twitter. I uh, my boys, the UMass heads, all have burners and they're hysterical and they all crack me up. And maybe we'll talk some ball. Maybe we'll talk some blogs. Um, jeez, I don't know. Maybe how should I structure the show? I think I should go headlines. Twitter fingers, maybe daily spew, maybe, I don't know, I kind of like, I don't, but I would like to have it segmented, but I would rather not just have me kind of like today, I was stuttering, stammering, you stutter and mutter and prick word to Joe Pesci, but uh, today was not great, and granted it's late and I'm tired, but gotta be better, um, because, you know, the people want me, man. What can I say? I'm a peacock. They got to let me fly. Again, word to Adam McKay. All right, everybody. Enjoy your weekends. May all your bets hit. But if you really want to make some money, check out Sniffing the Lines. Um, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. It's myself, Jeremy Elpis, Tom Wall. Uh, it's tough out there for a gambler in this ever evolving, ever changing gambling and NFL landscape. You want some dudes that you trust that you can ride with, you can ride, fade, whatever you do, you'll make some money. Um I went seven three and one last week. Jelp went seven and five. Whatever it is, 
um, ride, fade, uh, tail, you know, fucking go run around in circles. You will make some money. Check that podcast out. I, I love doing it. It's awesome. Um, besides that, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Um, go Pats. And yeah. Also, Tennessee is at home taking on Alabama, I believe, plus seven or eight. I'm going to take the points there, man. That's betting with my heart and not my brain, and I don't care. I want Tennessee. If Tennessee upsets Alabama, that would be unbelievable. All right, everybody. I hope you all have a great weekend. Have a good one. Um, Oh, last thing. I might pick up a freelance journalism gig. That's awesome. I'm happy for myself, and I'm going to be writing about football. Uh, If I do, you'll see me on Twitter. Um, You'll see that, and I'm just excited, man. Attitude of gratitude, life is good. Not a lot to complain about. I live a pretty good life. You know, I can wake up in the morning, you know, take my poop and brush my or wipe my ass, not brush my ass. You brush your teeth, (laughs) brush my ass and wipe my teeth. And be like, oh, I have. thank God I have nice teeth. Oh, wow. I actually have an arm to wipe my ass with. I'm sure there's people that would kill to have an arm. Um, but anyway, good stuff all around. Thank you all for listening. I will see you guys later. Enjoy the E-double. Rest in peace, E-double. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Peace. <laughs>
And if you make a drink for me, please top it off, top it off, hey, because we're all just friends and me. Don't drop the ball, drop the ball, hey, and when we win this game, we'll leave and be standing tall, standing tall, hey. I'm just laughing at the powers and the towers by the skyline. My head is high, they can barely reach my eyeline. I'm choked up, but the words still pour out. Part of a lion, but I'm staring Mr. at the floor now. We wake up to new chances, but I can't see through the lens of these fucked up glasses. I head home and I wonder if they miss me. 95 North and I'm feeling like Cliff Lee. If I got some shit you need, I'll drop it off, drop it off. And if you make a drink for me, please top it off, top it off, hey, because we're all just friends and me, don't drop the ball, drop the ball, hey, and when we win this game, we'll leave and be standing tall, standing tall, hey, if I got some shit you need, I'll drop it off, drop it off, hey, and if you make a drink for me, please top it off, top it off, hey. Cause we're all just friends and me Don't drop the ball, drop the ball, hey And when we win this game, we'll leave and be standing tall, standing tall, hey Freestyle Friday number 47, E-Double, Black Paisley Records, Activate Social, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Phillies You know, that'd be great if I was actually affiliated with them, huh? Mr. Cliff Lee is back in town, everybody What a great guy I'd like everybody to take their hats off slowly and tip them to him and his wife for enjoying the lovely city of Skrilladelphia, PA. And uh, looking forward to a pretty, pretty good 2011. I hope everybody's doing, doing well. Uh, my condolences to, uh, the, to the Proustan area and the uh, Rangers and the New York Yankees. You guys are all very, very nice and have wonderful cities, but gee whiz, Cliff Lee had to go where his heart was, you know, and that was with his friend Doc, Doc Halliday. I gotta go now. I gotta go. But I hope you guys are doing well. Have a great have a great time. It's December seventeenth. Uh, I should put like a Stephen Hawking voice in there, like I didn't actually do it this week or something, as if I wasn't talking about some some stupid board school board shooting. What an idiot. See you guys.